Coming up next, The Bookening discusses Hamlet. Hey everybody, welcome to The Booking. My name is Nathan. I am your humble and obedient host. The host with the most. That's what they call me. And I've got two of my very good friends today joining me. You'll never guess who they are. Can I guess? Sure. Oh man, who would you be really good friends with? Yeah, well, you know, you got to think of the lowest of the low. Think real (laughs) pieces of scum. And villainy. Okay, uh, Boba Fett. Yeah, sure. Dorito, before he got fried. Dorito? Yeah, Dorito. Uh Big friends with Dorito. Boba Fett and Dorito. I could could be our nicknames. Boba Fett and Dorito. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just change the name of this show to the Boba Fett and Dorito show? Hosted by? Me. Okay, <laughs> so we're Boba Fett and Dorito Nate. <laughs> the Boba Fett and Dorito show hosted, hosted by, by me. me. <laughs> well, in point of fact, you are wrong. I am friends with neither Boba Fett nor Dorito. I don't even like Doritos that much. I think they're a very overrated chip. Anytime someone's told to bring chips to a party that I host or am attending and they bring Doritos, I'm a little sad. I mean, you know what bring, is not an overrated chip? What's that? Those chips that are local to Evansville. I forget what they're called, but Jake brought a big box once to recording, and I still crave those things. Crippos, they're actually, they're actually local to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, that's But they've taken off big and become sort of a local cultural hit. That we definitely own them own. here in Evansville. As they deserve. Yeah. Well, you have to get the box. This, this is one of the things that people say, and it's true. You can't just buy a bag of Grippos from the gas station. You really have to get the big box of Grippos. I don't know if they just, and more Grippo powder kind of gets spread around or what the deal is. But it's for people who don't know, it's this very generic potato chip, but then they put this weird. It's a sweet, hot. Sweet, hot powder on it. Yeah, flavoring. Flavoring. Seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> Bless you. you. Thanks. Hey, guess what? This is sweet hot seasoning that there's just not enough in of the seasoning in the in the bags. It's usually. one of those. Chips. Sometimes you can get lucky if you get a bag, but really you want to get a box. And yeah, you're always playing a little bit of Russian roulette if you buy a bag. And I, I've nine times out of ten got shot in the face, metaphorically speaking. But it's one of those chips where there's a distinction between the chip and the seasoning. Like you feel like. They're, they haven't exactly been wetted the way they are with some chips. There's there's the chip, and then they obviously threw a bunch of seasoning on top of it. That's part of the charm. But, you know, you got to make sure that you get enough seasoning. So get a giant box of Grippos if you're in Cincinnati for some dumb reason. I don't know what kind of a rube would go to Cincinnati. but if Or if you're, you're in Evansville. If you're in Evansville, you can get Grippos. Yep, you pull in into any grocery store or convenience store and get a box of Grippos. Yep, they all sell the boxes? 
Yeah, most of the them. grocery I mean, stores a, do. A con- convenience mm-hmm. store, maybe not so much, or a, a gas. It station. depends on the kind of. I was thinking mm-hmm. of like the crossroads IGA things that. Right. Yeah. If the show, if the store is too convenient, but if it's well, hey guys, guess yeah. what? What? This is a little fun insight to my uh, business. Uh, okay. My clients occasionally will send requests for quotes mm-hmm. that will then. And have you to send quote. requests for grippos. And we send requests for grippos. That's how we get paid. Mm-hmm. Grippos for quotes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got a request for a quote for a fairly large project in Evansville. Hey, cool. Anyways. Quote them a good price. I will. In grippos. In grippos. <laughs> and say you want to see Walter Wangeren's house. That, those are my only requests. Grippos, Walter Wangeren's house, and or Wangeren. I always call him Wangeren. I want them to build a golden statue in honor of both Wangeren and Grippos. Yeah. He could be eating a bag of Grippos. Or they could build a statue out of Grippos of Wangeren. Oh, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. And then let it get eaten by roosters. Or does Grippos have a mo- like a mascot? Walter Wangeren, now. Oh. I was thinking their mascot could be holding the... Because, well, never mind. I was going to say that he could be holding like the skull of Wangerin and saying, alas, poor Wangerin, I knew thee well. And then that would be a nice transition into Hamlet. But then I realized that might be dark to say Boy, that. that you know, that'd be a great transition. <laughs> they, they, they do have a mascot. He's this little kind of... It's like a chef. Yeah, it's like a chef crossed, crossed with... Know, Boy. Yeah, the dough boy. It's it's like a little boy type character, but he's dressed as a chef, and he he's in fact holding a bag of grippos with his with his own self on it on it. So it's it's kind of a turtles on turtles kind of thing. Turtles all the way down. All grippos the way down. all the way down. Grippos all the way down. Well, speaking of grippos, my best friends are a Dorito and Boba Fett, but <laughs> I have some other friends. And Brandon, you still haven't guessed who they are. Oh, I guessed Trump. Yeah, no, that's not that's not right. No, I mean, I think he's the greatest leader that this country ever had. Hmm. But actually, I thought he was pretty great policy wise. But uh, that's that's treading into politics. This isn't a politics podcast. And with that one statement, we just made sure that none of us will ever have a career outside of anything, really. Outside (laughs) of anything. Oh, Jake just sent us the Grippo's bag. Yeah, yeah, look at that, Brandon. See the turtles oh, awesome. all the way down? Yeah. That's awesome. No, I mean, we've said so many things on this podcast, and I'm sure we've burned all sorts of career possibilities. <laughs> I mean, in today's cancel culture, I'm sure people could dig through these podcasts and find all kinds oh, of... Oh, and I'm sure they would. If any of us decides to run for office. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I ran for Meredith's mate, I was tempted to scrub all these podcasts. Like, oh, there's a girl that's going to go back and listen to all this that's that's an interesting thing to find yourself. But instead, she became a huge fan. She did become a huge fan. I mean, she's sleeping with one of the hosts, for crying out loud. <laughs> All right. You still haven't guessed who the friends are. Okay. I'm going to guess Not one Trump. Of them. Not Trump. Yeah. Well, I'm going to guess the next best thing to Trump, as far as leaders go. Mm-hmm. And that would be Jacob Mensel. <laughs> yeah. There he is. And what's interesting about Jacob Menzel, Jakob, as the Russians would call him? He's got a great hair and a great beard. He does have... Uh, it is particularly nice today, isn't it? Yeah. It may just be just, with the way the light's hitting him through the I window. I was just thinking. I was just thinking that. It's a very beautiful... It's not like super full or bushy. It's a little bit pared back, but it's... He's looking a, nice a little look. bit Thor-like. Yeah, it, it's very it's very Hemsworthian. 
Hemsworthy, I should say. Hemsworthy. It's, yeah. If we had a Hemsworthy. The, 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 be- the beard or? Both. The beard or the bod? Is that what you're asking? The beard or the bod. Well, everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he the definitely beard, also the bod, has Thor's The laid back surfer personality that Jake's famous. Oh, now Jake's flexing. He's putting on a little gun show here, folks. And let me tell you. <laughs> I saw some biceps there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's taken, ladies. Mm-hmm. All right, so you've guessed one of them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should let Jake guess. Jake, you want to guess who my other friend that I podcast with is? Oh, boy. Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> that's, that's what I was hoping you would say, quite honestly. I was trying to think of who the fattest person in Marvel was to go along with Thor. Fat Thor. I guess you could have said Fat Thor, yeah. But one thing we don't do on this podcast, we don't fat shame no. on the book. That's right, yeah. We, we are fat shame. anti-fat shaming. All right, I think Jake just took a hit of some kind of a hookah <laughs> or something like that. Whoa. <laughs> <coughs> oh no, Jake's just got a random stick for some reason. That's not is that his a wand? wand. He usually has his wand. Is that your wand? No, this is my wand. This oh, yeah. <laughs> he's got he's, it he's right. Like, that's a wand. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, a wand. That's wonderful. <laughs> this is my wand. Yep. So what that's was that brilliant. random stick you were waving around? Uh, it's a stick that sometimes I use as a wand. My son Elliot's been watching this uh, Sudoku. British, this British guy who does Sudoku puzzles and people send them puzzles that they've created with all these various rules and mm-hmm. every move that he makes. He's like, that's brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. That's what Elliot so, says. No, that's what the uh, British <laughs> Sudoku guy says. So I like the idea that Elliot watches Sudoku and just goes brilliant. brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> I did dare him to, when he has to do a math proof at his school to say, that's brilliant. That's just brilliant. So we'll see if he does it. He's probably too cool for that. Probably. Elliot is pretty cool. Nah. <laughs> he, he thinks he is. Well, you know, if there's one group of people that's cool, it's teenagers. Now. Oh, yeah. Jake, you still haven't guessed. No. Jabba the going to say Chastines. Well, Chastines, too. Equally true. Yep, yep, yep. Chastines are right up there with teenagers. And this uh, group of guys right here. This Which group of guys? The ones that are talking. Bo- Boba Fett. Group. Boba Fett and the Dorito. uh, (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it's Boba Fett and the Dorito. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Boba Fett and Dorito morning show. Yeah, if if we ever start a morning show, (coughs) which let's face it, the book is the Lloyd. Is that what goes through Evansville? Yeah, the Lloyd Expressway. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. let's look at traffic on the Lloyd Expressway. Yeah, Yeah, we got our we got eyes on the Lloyd today. Little slide whistle in there. Well, I mean, let's face it. The booking has, for many years now, been a couple slide whistles away from a morning DJ show. I mean, that's what you've always wanted it to be. That's what I've always wanted it to be. I actually like morning radio. I, I cannot tell a lie. I mean, a lot of it's quite obnoxious and vulgar, but I, I support the dream of. But some people radio. still like the booking. Yeah, warts and all. Yeah, warts and all. Hey, speaking of warts, we still hadn't haven't said who my third fr- friend is. Job of the Hut. Nah, he's not my friend. He's kind of a cruel gangster that makes uh, sexy aliens dance for him. And oh, you mean Brandon? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was talking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nicely done. Thanks. Disclaimer: Brandon has never made a sexy alien dance for him. <laughs> that I am because aliens don't exist. <laughs> yes, that's right, <laughs> and that's the only reason. That's the only reason. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
If I ever find one. <laughs> Every day he's looking through his telescope. <laughs> he I do looks have through a pair his of astronomy binoculars. Dance, dance. <laughs> What's that? I do have a pair of astronomy binoculars. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have admitted that. Yeah, that's the worst thing that's happened on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We still haven't said who my friend is. It's not Jabba the Hutt. Did we say it was Brandon? Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, Once it's we established that you're not friends with uh, fat a- a- alien enslaving something. I don't know. I forget. Villains. Yeah, no, I'm not yeah. Gangsters. friends with a fat alien enslaving villain. Name Brandon. Name Brandon. Name Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. That's something I feel like we have to mention on the podcast. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go. Let's go, Brandon. You remember when we were at that sports thing, Jake, and we got that uh, we got that we chant got that going? going, yeah, that yeah, chant, let's, yeah. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah. People were really on board for cheering this random, <laughs> random Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. Well, I mean, there are t-shirts and sweatshirts and flags now that say "Let's go, Brandon." I think we need a we need booking stickers that say "Let's go, Brandon" on them. Have they Should really that made sh- that into swag? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's all kinds of swag. You can buy all oh. kinds of "Let's go, Brandon" swag. Brandon, you should you should get. I mean, you Come should on, definitely man. buy some "Let's Go Brandon" swag. I mean, what a you know, waste! If you I, don't I can't have some imagine Let's go Brandon swag. When's your birthday? I can't imagine some gagster, some hilarious gagster, won't get you some "Let's Go Brandon" <laughs> stuff for a- Christmas. A- or April twenty fifth to oh. Christmas. Yeah, so Christmas. I mean, if you have a deep enough extended family, somebody you know, your crazy uncle Tim or somebody will get you. I, I, I can't believe Jeremy hasn't already. Yeah, I would that think it's a perfect thing that Jeremy would do. The dark hooded Lord of Death is quite the gagster. Yeah, uh, or one of your kids. I mean, I would think between Jeremy and you know Alyssa, Alyssa and what's his face, um, Elliot, little El- 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 Elijah, Elliot. Elliot. Ouch! Ouch! Elliot did make friends with that alien that you enslaved. <laughs> he did. The one you keep in the torture chamber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's <clears> a, deep, a deep cut. That's a deep cut. Hey. Oh, I think Brandon's getting a phone call. It's fine. I'm muting it. Okay. Brandon's muting his phone call. I'm now going to mute my phone, too, so it doesn't happen again. All right, folks. You've got. I would got totally it. carry a wand around, just saying. You would yeah, totally, or you do? I would, yeah. 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 Well, there's the, there's the famous somewhere in Orthodoxy or one of those books, there's a G.K. Chesterton essay where he says, now we have a million devices instead of one all-purpose device like a, a man stick. a man used to the, carry a stick and he could use it to stick. Yep. lean on or beat his enemies or and he lists like all the things you could do with a stick and then yeah i don't know i'm not doing it justice but stir a bowl of stir it's like called a the universal stick it's the universal stick. essay is that a chapter in orthodoxy or one of the one of the big ones i thought it was what's wrong with the world but it could yeah, be i wrong. think i think jake's right i don't uh, think that's in orthodoxy <laughs> what's wrong with the world jake's <laughs> remembrance of chesterton is what's wrong with the world actually it sounds like that's what's right with the world i, I don't think it's in orthodoxy either or either but i'm always surprised by how many of the greatest hits actually are in orthodoxy there's a lot of them so it's it's from what's wrong with the world i was right all right well that's actually probably the number one chesterton book that people should read if they haven't read chesterton although it's got some really boring stuff about his distributionism house whatever he thought about property rights yeah his anti-capitalist anti-socialist economic system yeah he had this third thing that was just weird and never quite caught on that yeah never quite caught on but hey 
you can't be a visionary dreamer without having some visionary crap dreams put that on a t-shirt hey and speaking of t-shirts i'll tell you who wears carry i'd carry around a wand would be a good candidate too well we've already got our t-shirt i mean we really should just probably bite the bullet and do let's go brandon but we don't want the the actual associations with that no we don't so I think we are not revilers here at the booketing. Nope. Nope. We have never reviled anyone or anything. We're pretty famous for our anti revelation reviling. What's the noun form of revelatory (laughs) for our anti revelatory stance on the booketing. Anyway, speaking of revelations, Hamlet got a big one from his ghost dad. True. He did. Yeah. You guys ever see that? Bill Cosby movie, Ghost Dad? <laughs> no, we I don't think so. Don't think we should mention Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, we don't need to bring that into our morning zoo. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Cosby on the Lloyd this morning. <laughs> Traffic is backed up. Okay. Crush <coughs> the pudding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Fat Outplane. <laughs> no, it's not Fat Outplane. Whoa. Uh, you know, fat Outplane. Let's, not, let's is, not associate those two. No, no, no. Nothing <laughs> nothing associated there. No, nothing associated there. Guys, let's talk about the king of Denmark himself. Or not, not the king of Denmark. Wow. All right. We got to transition into the meat. Zero stars. <laughs> you know what my favorite speech in Hamlet is? And they cut it out of everything but the Branagh version because the Branagh version is like nine hours long. No. Oh, you don't? (laughs) I would have thought you would have been able to read my mind. There's just this little speech that Horatio has. It's right before he says, but hark the morn and russet mantle clad, or what does he say about the the sun came up, but instead he's like, lo, the morn and russet mantle clad does bedew the sheep, or something like that. It's a famous line. You guys ever read Hamlet? You guys familiar with Hamlet? No. It's a play by William Shakespeare, the immortal mm. bard of Stratford-upon-Avon. Hark the and Russell mantle cloud Who'd breaks o'er yonder hill. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right before he says that, he has this little speech about how, because the ghost goes away when the cock crows, and then he yeah. gives this, this, this beautiful little speech about how on Christmas morn the cock crows all night and no spirit can walk abroad no unclean spirit can walk abroad because the rooster just keeps crowing in order to keep christmas day clean and and it's adorable anyway oh look it's the airplane going over really good sound effect there and that indicates baggage check, the part of the show where we talk about what baggage we bring to the work in question. Brandon, Christian. what bag in question? Yeah, sorry, I stumbled over the word question. It's not an easy word to pronounce. Brandon, what baggage did you bring to Hamlet? Ah, uh, well. Ah, see? Ah, see? Read, read it in high school, see? I did read it in high school, see? And I also read it in undergraduate class in the my honors traditions colloquium. And I wrote a paper on irony. And the thing that I remember about that is the professors whispered when they were giving the papers back about the papers and they stopped on one and they were like conferring with one another. And then 
one of the professors pointed at me and they looked at me and then the professor came and gave it to me and she nodded and said, we both thought this was very well done, Mr. Chastain. Hmm. That was one of my highlights. I was sorry. I'm trying to stall while I make sure that this is true. Not that part. (laughs) Yeah. So the earliest memory I have of Hamlet, because sometimes my memories get twisted around each other and they're not accurate. My earliest memory of Hamlet is my dad watching the Mel Gibson Hamlet, and that was released in 1990, so that's very likely to be true. Yeah. So. The Mel Gibson Hamlet enjoyed a brief run as a VHS owned by people like Brandon's dad. Not that he necessarily owned the VHS, but people like him. It, it like kind of joined the, sh- the shelves with Braveheart, and uh, Mel Gibson was just so big, and it had it had a little bit of, it had enough kind of cultural clout that more conservative people could own it but it was kind of still fun because it was mel gibson it was the version that we watched in high school after we read the play yeah it's insanely like maybe just because mel gibson's a virulent anti-semite and all that stuff it's insanely not really hard to track down you can buy a blue blu-ray for like 60 bucks it's not in print right now yeah i'm pretty bummed I, i would love to go back to it because i remember really enjoying that adaptation well, it's got it's got quite the cast. Yeah. Um, yeah, who is it? It's Glenn Close's Gertrude. I remember that. Yeah, Helena Bonham Carter plays Ophelia. Of course she does. Ian Holm is in it, right? Yeah, yeah. He is plays he Polonius, he plays I'm Polonius. Yeah. yeah. He'd be a good Polonius. Alan Bates, who I'm not sure who he is, but he played Claudius. There's somebody uh, else that's famous in that, isn't it? Pete Postlewaite is in it. Ooh, I like isn't Robin Postlewaite. Williams one of the players? No, that's uh Oh, that's, that's Brand. uh Brian on it. Yep. Yeah. Let's see who else is in it. Well, Mel, Mel Gibson. But the players are always fun cameos in all of these. Yeah. yeah. It's a great place to get like some some star who just come wants to come in and do a day and yeah, Charlton I mean, Heston doing the player in the Branagh is, is far and away the best thing that happens in that Branagh version, I would say. Yeah. And I'm generally a Branagh somewhat apologist, I guess, at least for that one, but Oh, yeah, Branagh's his his much ado about nothing is probably his best. Yeah, I thought it was much ado about nothing, really. Really, you didn't like it? Yeah, you know, I have never actually seen it all the way through. I must ah. I must confess. Well, maybe you should before you cast judgment, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bat. Well, the best part of that is uh, Michael Keaton as Dogberry. That's right. Yeah, Michael Keaton's good. He's one of those guys that can show up in something like that and actually well, he, make the leap. Yeah, he. He's, he makes that movie. I mean, his his Dogberry is pretty brilliant. Yeah, and Keanu Reeves is brilliant. As <laughs> yeah, that's the evil Duke or whatever. Probably Denzel and Keanu are the weak points of that movie. Those were is, weird. Is Denzel actually weak in that? There's just weird casting choices. That's all. I think he's going to be a fantastic Macbeth in this Joel Cohen well, thing. I have to say, probably better director. <laughs> yeah, probably, <laughs> arguably. <laughs> Arguably, one of the greater great directors uh, of the 20th century is better than arguably Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh, one of the most overwrought and silly directors of the 20th century. Yeah, I don't think I don't know. Is there too much argument about Cohen, the, him being one of the greatest? No, I think I everybody think so. agrees that the Cohen brothers are. I mean, No Country for Old Men is one of the few movies that's actually better than a fairly masterful book. I would I would totally agree with that. So. Are we doing that next year? I shouldn't talk about this because we haven't really started a list yet. But no, we but we are doing the other one oh. that everybody always wants people to do. Yes, 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 yes. Sutri. It'll be a long road to travel. Yes. I thought we were doing all we the get pretty there. horses. 
Is that what the one we're doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. We talked briefly about the road. See, I thought you were doing something clever and throwing people off with a red herring. <laughs> Maybe I was. You'll never know. It's <laughs> like, why is Jake throwing off Brandon's red herring? But then Brandon quickly revealed that. I was right. Yeah, no such. <laughs> Jake, just, Jake just really likes to come out and show himself to be right. <laughs> Are we going to watch the Matt Damon movie? Matt Damon of what? And all the pretty horses, wasn't he? Oh no, that's a movie that's vastly inferior to the book. I don't know why we would bother, but yeah. is the Vigo Mortensen the road any good? It's fine. Some people like it. I never bothered watching it. I just didn't feel like I needed any more road in my life. What are we talking about? You were giving your baggage for Hamlet. Is that the only loop we have to close right now? Mel Gibson. Yes. Somehow we got off. Oh, because his version. Because you said fine. that was your introduction. That yeah. was my introduction. And then, yeah, I mean, then, you know, the same that everybody else has. I read Hamlet in high school, read him again in college, and have read it various times since then. So there I, you go. I really enjoyed you saying I read him again. Yeah. Hamlet Just like when write. people say... Hamlet AIDS, wrote that, right? that person, he got them about eight, when people treat AIDS as a plural. Yeah, well, it technically is because you don't just get one of the germs, you get many. True. Good point. Yeah, that's why people say you got the COVIDs. Yeah, you got you the COVIDs. Got the, that's what I've been saying. The chicken poxes and the poxes. The flus. Because you don't just get one flu. A pox you get upon Many the, flus. A, a chicken pox upon. You ever see that John Wayne movie where Jimmy Stewart says, you got the cancer. Yep. Shootist. Yeah. It's after John Wayne gets the cancer. That was a pretty good Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Thank you. Do you ever play Hamlet? <laughs> <laughs> we can all <laughs> to, to be or, or not. No, but that, that, that has to be like lame sketch troop 101. Somebody has to have done like their, what if Jimmy Stewart was Hamlet or kind of thing. Actually, what did that. we cast? Never mind. We came up with this genius Ben Whishaw casting idea for something, and I've been wondering what it was ever since last night. Maybe it was we were narcissistically talking about who we would cast in the Ville. Oh, right. That might be. Uh, yep. Remember when we did that for two hours and put it behind the paywall, I think? <laughs> yes. Who would he well, play? We, Pastor Stu? Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe, maybe that was Or it. no. I don't know. He I plays know. a good simpering villain. I've heard he was pretty good in that new david copperfield movie i have not seen that but where the indian he's good at whatever he does he's the guy who played in the green knight what's his name dev patel is dev patel david he plays david copperfield yeah i didn't know whether i wanted to see that or not all it's the supposed to be good the wokeism of it seemed weird to me but you know i like dev patel actually okay so mel gibson said all right mate let me introduce you to hamlet you got introduced to hamlet what happened next I, th I think I said I read him in high school read and him. I read him in college and read him in college. <laughs> I've read him a few other times since then. Hey, Hamlet, I'm going to read um, you. I like this is a great play. This is oh, you like it. Play. I love it. Oh, good. But it's never been one of my Shakespeare plays that I go back to. Oh, no, that see, that's interesting. I don't know why I th my my the ones that are dearest to my heart would be the the Henry's and then the Tempest and king lear so those are all pretty good yep pretty pretty good all right jake what's your baggage with hamlet with him just the same as my baggage with shakespeare 
Well, maybe I, some people are coming to it for the first time and they want to, they're like, what is Jake's baggage with Shakespeare? That's probably what they're wondering. I got a hold of Shakespeare my freshman year of high school. We were assigned Shakespeare. We were doing Britlet or something like that. So we probably started there. And to me, Shakespeare was, you know, everything he's been to everybody throughout the ages, I guess. Just a breath of fresh air and a sense of, wow, here's a storyteller who understands people and things and understands me. And so it was beautiful and fun. And Hamlet was a big part of that because how could it not be? Yeah. And so, yeah, I love, love the play and I have fondness for the Mel Gibson adaptation. Cause that's the one that we watched, you know, we'd read the play. Sometimes we'd read or act it, you know, in class and then we'd watch an adaptation of it. And, uh, I don't know, we did Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet and Julius Caesar and maybe a couple others. And uh, yeah, but Hamlet was definitely one of them. And right there at the top of the list, you know, for good reason. So I love it. And yeah, it's not something that I think you want to spend a lot of time coming back to. It's sort of like maybe if you read Dostoevsky in high school or something like that, and you thought Dostoevsky was cool, you don't want to come back to Dostoevsky's existential angst too much. But yeah, this is better than that surprise. I don't know what else there is to say. Talking about Shakespeare and a play like Hamlet just feels stupid. What are you going to say about one of the greatest things ever? Hey, the Mona Lisa sure is a good painting. Yeah. Yeah, Well, this is what we run into every year. It feels so stupid. It's actually easier to talk about things that are in the middle because you have, you have, there's a lot to litigate when something's really bad. All you can do is dunk on it, which is fun, you know, for an episode of wrinkle on time, but eventually it gets to be reductive. And when something's really great, sometimes all you can do is say it's great, but I think there's going to be plenty to talk about on Hamlet. We have run into that historically. We've hit the Shakespeare buzz saw of not having as much to say beyond context, which is always great, obviously. My baggage with Hamlet is, I don't think that for whatever reason, like I remember reading Julius Caesar and Romeo and Juliet specifically in high school. I do not remember having to read Hamlet. The first real experience, I didn't really grow up with the Gibson version, although I did see bits and pieces of it. I remember watching Branagh's Henry V on TV and being like, I didn't understand that at all, but that was a cool battle at the end. And Hamlet, I watched the Kenneth Branagh version when I was a teenager. And I think everything that's kind of dumb about the Kenneth Branagh version really helped me because the Kenneth Branagh version, you watch it now, it's got like this ridiculous celebrity casting, like the, the, the butler is played by Gerard Depardieu and all this stuff. Robin Williams is in there. Billy Crystal, Jack Lemon plays a part. I mean, it's just like so stacked that it becomes distracting, but that typecasting really helped me understand what was going on. Like, Oh, well that guy must be the funny guy. Cause it's Billy Crystal. Okay. I get it. <clears throat> He's the funny grave digger. Great. And Billy Crystal actually is quite good as the grave digger and Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. But, and then the way that Branagh over dramatizes things, you know, if, if he can make, a love relationship sexual he's going to if he can make something violent he's going to if he's like he's he's going to hollywood it up as much as possible in a way that's ultimately watching it now i feel like it's kind of crass but it really helped me 
understand the play. And to, to Branagh's credit, he said that that's exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to make these make it clear and, and, and sort of reach across the aisle to people who might not understand and help them understand why this play is actually just a Hollywood epic, you know. So by that metric, you know, it really worked and I really liked it. And I would say it's my favorite Shakespeare play. I go back to it a lot. I, at some point, just when I was working construction and needed something to occupy my mind, I memorized the to be or not to be speech. And if someone asks me to do a mic check or something like that, it's generally my go-to verbiage more than the Gettysburg address or I guess it would be Luke two. No, I, I don't really, I couldn't even really do the Gettysburg address anymore. Honestly, it's generally going to be Luke two or Hamlet's to be or not to be speech. If I have to pull out a big chunk of memorized text, those uh, are yeah. good choices. Those are good choices. Yeah. Some of the best. So, you were made to memorize. Well, I guess you didn't do Hamlet. Never mind. Yeah, for whatever reason, I remember spending a lot of time on Julius. You know what it was. I went to a Christian school. The Christian school was in the process of being developed at the time. I was some of, one of the first high schoolers. And so they were constantly cycling through teachers, firing teachers, having teachers quit, having teachers not stay. Quit and not stay, folks. And so programmatically, things just weren't in place to make sure that things got covered yep. quite as well as they probably would be at that same school now i hope and guess so i i just missed out on certain things i i too went to a small high school and the only shakespeare we memorized was julius caesar we the the speech you know friends romans countrymen we we memorized us i i remember to be or not to be the friends romans countrymen the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. We memorized something from each of those three, and I feel like one, we did one other. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think like what I the other pull. what what would the other big ones be? Like what are what are Shakespeare's greatest hits? The ones that everybody memorizes. Yeah, it's to be or not oh, to like be. The world is all a stage. Yeah, Macbeth's stage yeah. thing. I bet that's what it was. Strut and fret and all that stuff. Yeah, strut and fret and strut and fret. Yeah, we might have actually done that. But I feel like Macbeth was a little later in my life that that would have been late high school. The ones that I remember in kind of the early high school, the formative Shakespeare for me was definitely Julius, Julius Caesar. That was the one that the teacher yeah. was excited about and spent a lot of time on. And I had to, I had to memorize, I had to choose things to memorize on my own outside of that. So I chose some of the sonnets. Of right. Course. So we had to memorize sonnets too. Yeah. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? I suppose we probably had to memorize that. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Mm-hmm. Let's not admit impediments to the marriage Let's of true not. minds. <sighs> oh, okay. Are, are you, are yeah, we it was public school, and I ended up memorizing more Shakespeare than any of you. I know, and I went to a like early hippie classical school, like before classical schools were cool. And we still didn't memorize it. It's because he's, mem- he's making us memorize Euclid's proofs. That's mm-hmm. why. Well, the important thing is people? every time you need Euclid's proofs in your life, you have them. I mean, you probably pull those things out like what? I can still do Euclid's uh, proof of the Pythagorean theorem if you guys ever want to make that a Patreon. Yeah. One, two, one, two three, go. I'd have to draw it, Nathan. Oh. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't memorize Euclid's proofs. Yeah, I said that with so much disdain, like you should know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that uh, now that you remind Jake, Jake's like waving his magic wand over some plastic wrap. <laughs> I don't know if he's like. I don't know either. Hey, you want me to throw? You want me to throw an interesting wrench in all this? Oh yeah, I'm gonna read something, and you guys. Can you tell don't me. believe Shakespeare wrote Hamlet. I do believe that. I don't even want to get into that discussion, but I want to read you guys. It's it's kind of long. Can I read this, though? Yeah, sure. And then you guys can tell me who you think this is. Okay, yeah. I remember the astonishment I felt when I first read Shakespeare. I expected to receive a powerful aesthetic pleasure, but having read, one after the other, works regarded as his best, King Lear, Romeo Carol and Juliet. Bloom. Nope. Hamlet and Macbeth, not only did I feel no delight... But I felt an irresistible repulsion and tedium and doubted as to whether I was senseless in feeling Mark, works I mean, regarded as the summit of perfection. Nope. Mark Twain's a good guess. Is it Nabokov? Nope. By the whole uh, world of the civilized world to be trivial and possi- positively bad. Nope. Is it a boy or a girl? It is a boy. Okay. Or whether the significance which this civilized world attributes to the works Tolstoy. of Shakespeare. It is Tolstoy. Of course it's Tolstoy. Was it self-senseless? You want me to finish this? Yeah. My consternation was increased by the fact that I always keenly felt the beauties of poetry in every form. Then why should artistic works recognized by the whole world as those of a genius, the works of Shakespeare, not only fail to please me, but be disagreeable to me? For a long time, I could not believe in myself. And during 50 years, in order to test myself, I several times recomm- uh, recommenced reading Shakespeare in every possible form, in Russian, in English, in German, and in Schlegel's translation, as I was advised. Several times I read the dramas and the comedies and historical plays, and I invariably underwent the same feelings, repulsion, weariness, and bewilderment. At the present time, before writing this preface, this is one of the last things he wrote. Being desirous once more to test myself, I have, as an old man of 75, again read the whole of Shakespeare, including the historical plays, the Henrys, Troilus and Cressida, the Tempest, Cymbeline, and I have felt with even greater force the same feelings, this time, however, not of bewilderment, but of firm, indubitable conviction that the unquestionable glory of a great genius which Shakespeare enjoys and which compels writers of our time to imitate him and readers and spectators to discover in him non-existent merits thereby distorting their aesthetic and ethical understanding just a minute i mean talk about a strong thesis statement here is a great evil whoa as is every untruth as whoa. is every untruth and i think that this is just the pretty strong evidence that tolstoy lost his ever-loving mind as he descended into his dotage so it sounds like he never had it yeah <sighs> I mean, I, my response is pretty simple to Tolstoy. He never wa- tried watching a Shakespeare play. He just kept trying to read them. Mm, yeah. And even if he spoke great English, which I have no idea whether he did or not, apparently he did try reading it in English. If you don't, if, it's, if, if Shakespeare is not your native tongue, I have to imagine that makes a big difference. Yeah, I find Pushkin to be fairly tedious myself, but I don't judge him as being awful. I just judge him as being something that the Russians... Russian. Yeah, yeah, did Pushkin write Eugenine? Uh, yeah, Eugene yeah. Onigan. I could. I've never been able to get through that. I have an Onigan Offigan relationship <laughs> with that book. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's figure this out. I I think on first blush, as I listen to that, you have the world's great realist. I mean, the great observer of human nature and just of human interaction in a non-poetic like. I think all the po- poetry stuff is what's getting in the way. 
maybe. Because yeah. Tolstoy is just like, this is life. Deal with it. Here's Why do life. they not talk like real people? <laughs> yeah. I, I think, if I may, that Tolstoy might have some of the same roadblocks to Shakespeare that I do, where I'm just like, why are these characters acting like this? Why why, why are they stopping to monologue here? Like, there, there's just a certain part of my brain that doesn't always want to give it to Shakespeare. Um, not not yeah. hardcore, but it's, it's, it's like, I understand this is all, everything is in this is a poetic conceit, and, and intentionally so, but... Sometimes when it's not mounted properly or when I'm watching a version that doesn't speak to me or when I'm just reading it to myself, which is the great sin, I, I, I'm i just like, this This just feels like artifice to me. It does not feel like it, it never quite comes alive. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's right. I think that he just, the way he wrote and what he saw as valuable in literature didn't go hand in hand with what Shakespeare was doing. They're very different artists. And Tolstoy was a man of very strong opinions. And uh, you see that coming across here. I mean, we would put he and Shakespeare together, though, up on the... They, are two, they are two of the greatest he, I mean, they, they make observers the, of human nature. They make the lived. top three with Austin, right? Yeah. So, um, I think it is because he never saw a Shakespeare play, so he didn't actually see how effective it could be when interpreted correctly by actors. Is that true? Would they have not mounted Shakespeare in Russia? Well, he doesn't mention the why I'm saying that is because he doesn't mention that, right? He doesn't mention how he talks seen about them. reading them, right? Yeah, I I think if he would have, if he had seen them, he would have said, "Not only have I read them for myself, but I've seen them interpreted on the stage dozens of times by yeah. English the, the and actors, Russian." He would have yeah. like piled <laughs> on. He named the names it. of the famous actors that he'd seen interpret it. Yeah, yeah, and the famous stage companies and all the things he would have used it to pile on to prove that Shakespeare sucks and this was, that couldn't come across. Yeah, this was when he was just coming out against everything. Like this is, I think around the same time when he wrote What is Art, where he came out against the licentiousness of ballet mm-hmm. and those tight Right. Pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, was, uh, I, I'm fine with that. Take, <laughs> take it down. Yeah. But so here he's coming out against Shakespeare. And for one, I, I thought it's interesting because it's Tolstoy and we talk about him all the time. But I do think what you were saying, Nathan, it gives room for people to, I think that Shakespeare can be hard and a lot of people, it can be hard for people to understand and grasp. And a lot of people just simply say they enjoy Shakespeare because they feel like they have to. Tolstoy is giving some room to people to try and grapple with why they don't. Well, I think as I've wrestled with Shakespeare through the run of the, sorry, go ahead. No, you well, I was going to say, as I've, I've, as I've wrestled with Shakespeare through the run of the bookening, because every year we read another Shakespeare play and we try to talk about it. And I'm like, it's great, but, you know, the char- like Macbeth was the one. Well, there were two of them, actually. Midsummer's Night's Dream, I just just plain didn't like. I think we sort of actually ended up just saying we didn't like that one that yeah. much, right? Yeah. But Macbeth was one where I was like, the individual scenes, the individual lines of dialogue are obviously beyond compare. You, no one's arguing with that. But this does not track. I do not know why Macbeth is behaving the way that he's behaving. I get at any individual moment what his motivation is, and I get the broad sweep of it. But there is no connective tissue to get me from one point to the next point. At one point, he's really guilty, and then in the next scene, he's just a thug that's executing his enemies. He's turned into the yeah. godfather. And I, what I don't have is 
how did he get from i mean i, I sort of i could i could fill in the gaps but it's fascinating to me and it kind of weirds me out that shakespeare did not bother filling in those gaps and so the artifice of what shakespeare was doing the the way that he was telling a story the the methodology has been hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes when i'm being honest and actually demanding of it that it give me everything that it's supposed to it's like no it doesn't what it what it what it often comes down to and hamlet for me would be the exception but what it often comes down to for me is a collection of great pieces of poetry some of the best poetry that anyone's ever written but very often it doesn't actually come together cohesively into a story like if i if if, if what i want is a story i would say there's a handful of shakespeare plays that give me that yeah and that's not really what so this was a spectacle this was on the stage this was meant to entertain and we always we have to consider where the artist was and what who they were writing for what the time was they were writing the idea of a novel was still about a century away right some cohesive psychoanalytical observation like even if you've ever read don quixote it doesn't really gel together and it's considered by many to be the earliest novel right right but it's still it it reads more as uh, theater than it does as literature as we understand literature it. yeah and i think that when you're reading something like a novel or a short story and partly because we're trained to read it this way we expect more cohesion in the character but really the theater at the time they were inheriting like these aristotelian ideas of actions interpreting the character and so there was that you're not really looking for some internal dialogue to make everything cohere right you're just watching what happens on stage and everybody has the experience today where you watch a tv show or you watch a movie there's a lot more forgiveness i think when a visual medium mm-hmm. as far as holes and things like that than there is in a written medium is that fair to say well i just saw yeah, the james so i just saw the new james so, bond movie yesterday for another podcast <clears throat> and what's fascinating about what they do in that movie and it's uh, you see this all the time but it just stood out because the writing's not quite there in several parts and you have to make some emotional leaps just shoot a scene of daniel craig staring into the sun not staring into the sun that sounds like he's losing his eyes but you know shoot (laughs) with a pair of binoculars (laughs) (laughs) Shoot, shoot a scene of him just gazing pensively into a sunset score it with the emotion that you want score it with the emotion that yeah. you want and, and you've got it you've you've done you stick that into Macbeth and it solves my problem you know what I mean like oh I guess he decided to be a thug or I guess he decided to be nice or, or, or whatever that's yeah, what's like, happening there you know the sadness is turning to anger you can hear it in the music as he stares into space I mean you yeah. think about something like Star Wars Luke Skywalker in the space of less than 24 hours meets his mentor levels up into a, a, a suitable apprentice loses his mentor is sad that he lost his mentor mourns the loss of his mentor is happy because he destroyed some tie fighters and then you know levels up into a, a jedi type person and it's like the the timeline is ridiculous it makes no psychological sense but you have mark hamill stand in front of those sons and john williams does all the work my aunt and uncle who raised me as an orphan died. Time to go to space and fight people. Right. My mentor for three hours died. Oh no, this is the tragedy of my life. Right, it's, it's actually much less cohesive than anything that Shakespeare ever did, but because it's the 
theater that I'm used to, I guess, it it, it feels cohesive to me yeah. in a way that Shakespeare does not. Yeah, and Shakespeare really, he does take advantage of theatrical time in a way that was, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but so the idea of theater in like the old Aristotelian sense was that it needed to be, you needed to start a media rest in the middle of the thing, and it needed to be an action that could kind of take place over a day or a series of days. It needed to be fairly compact. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare was finding ways to kind of expand on that and make it where you could have it happen over, in like the Henry plays, over quite a few years, right? And even in this one, how many days does Hamlet take place over? It's definitely not a day. I mean, it's weeks or months because he goes, yeah. he, he leaves Denmark for a while and comes back and all this stuff. I mean, you can even take uh, sharp character turns as experiments in the passage of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so that's what that's what I was. Oh, oh, this is a totally different Macbeth. Yep. Oh, I guess why some time is that? Passed. I guess yeah. some time has passed. So yeah, wow, so I think Lady Shakespeare Macbeth's guilty all of a sudden. Anyway, so Shakespeare was playing with those ideas in a way that we're used to now, right? We're used to thinking about the passage of time in a movie, and we're more forgiving. And we talk about this sort of thing so, in sanity at the movies all the time, where you know the early movies we have all the connective tissue of, you know. Is there a phone in back? Let me walk to the phone. Right. Let me pick up the phone. Let me dial the number. Let mm. me talk to the person. Let me hang it up. Let me then pensively walk outside. Well, some of my favorite boring shoe leather in a movie is in Dr. No, the first James Bond movie, since I'm in a James Bond state of mind, where we watch Sean Connery walk onto planes and get off of planes for like an hour of that movie's two-hour runtime, it's like there's Sean Connery. Boy, is he cool! And what's he doing? He's getting on a plane. <laughs> Where's he going? Oh yeah, to the place he said he was gonna go. And where did he land? Oh, the place that he was intending to land. And I wonder what happened. No, oh, he's getting off the plane. And and it was you know we were just watching the James Bond movie this time, and James Bond's like, I need a vehicle. Cut to James Bond in the vehicle, probably in the middle of an action scene already. You know. So anyway, I'm just reiterating the exact same thing you said. But yeah, it's it's fascinating to me. So Hamlet. Yeah. It's a cool play. Would you guys agree to agree with me that Hamlet actually works better as a like Hamlet Hamlet, for lack of a better way of saying this, has a modern quality. Like it, it actually tracks in a way that to me at least was understandable and like I, I find it very easy maybe it's just because I've experienced lots of existential angst in my life but I find Hamlet much easier to enter into like I actually don't have as many of the problems that we just described with Hamlet of all of Shakespeare's plays yeah I mean there's a reason that it was one of the favorites of some of the nihilist and existential thinkers he's uh, deeply self-involved yes and this play really does more than I think any of the other plays, except any of the other tragedies. Like we, t- I talked about last time how the tragedies were named after the hero because it was expected to be mainly about that person's rise. And this is more consistently about Hamlet than many of the other tragedies are. Mm-hmm. King Lear is pretty consistently about King Lear, right? And tracks. I'd say that this one and King Lear are the ones that are the easiest to track the. Uh, cohesiveness of what's happening to the main character. Well, also I would say in both those plays, insofar as there are questions that you have psychologically, they feel intentional. You can see that like, like I would say in Hamlet, 
people people sometimes say is polonius a fool or is he a crafty statesman i think he's pretty obviously both and the and insofar as you're wondering at any moment whether he's which one he's being you're you're kind of supposed to and insofar as i mean the, the big example is insofar as is hamlet mad or is he not you're, you're you're supposed to wonder about that you're supposed to wonder how much this ghost got to him and how much of it's just an act that he's putting on and actors can choose to play it different ways and they do and i will we'll talk about that yeah but the questions all seem intentional. Where, where with Macbeth, I'm like, does Shakespeare realize that he never gave me any reason to believe that Lady Macbeth had such a conscience besides that women just have consciences, I guess. But suddenly she's sad, but we've never seen it. Like it's, it felt like she was, she was, she actually had desexed herself until now. There's, there's always those kinds of things that are coming up in Macbeth, but with Hamlet, it always feels like eh, I could go either way on this, but it feels like both, both readings are actually there. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare's being intentionally vague or intentionally asking the question or it's part of the fun or whatever you want to put it. I don't know. Maybe that's just my subjective experience of Hamlet because it happens to speak to me a little bit more than some of the other ones. Am I crazy? That it speaks to say that again. Sorry. I mean, am I just giving Hamlet credit for being feeling like it has more intentionality behind it or 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 reads better or tracks better because just simply because i happen to like it like am am i being biased in that well or or would most people agree with that i think almost i think that the universal acclaim that this novel gets kind of backs up what you're saying yeah and the fact that it continually has retellings people are continually remaking this into they're interpreting it. They're making their own movies. They're making their own versions of it. So everybody has a Hamlet. Mm-hmm. So there's something to that for sure. I think Tolstoy's wrong in the sense that if someone has had as much acclaim as Shakespeare and it's been pretty universal outside of him, then there's got to be something to it. And then there's the fact that this is his most acclaimed play. And there's a reason that that's the case. It must mean that it's speaking to people in some fundamental way. Mm -hmm. And I think it is because Hamlet is a deeply sympathetic character. Mm -hmm. We can, whether people want to admit it or not, most everybody has something in their life that reflects Hamlet's depression, that reflects Hamlet's doubts, that reflects Hamlet's insecurities, his fears and all these things, dealing with their parents, dealing with their relationships outside their parents, with girls, with Ophelia, all these things. Uh, Hamlet and his flaws reflects all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think mo- almost every other Shakespeare play the problems as universal as they are aren't actually universal. Most people have been in in puppy love like Romeo and Juliet. Maybe for some people it's a very small part of their life, maybe for some people it's a part very big part of their life. Some people have decided they're going to kill their boss and assume his place because their wife talked them into it. You some know. of us have been a king and have lost their mind because their daughters betrayed them. Right, some of some of us have unwisely entered into our dotage. I, I mean, they are actually universal problems. But one problem that everybody has is to be or not to be. Yeah. Like that is that is kind of the question like like what is what what am i here for and why yeah and should i act on the things that i see like that just you know 
do I want to Hamlet is do I want to confront my dad about my childhood issues or not do I want to talk to my friend about what's going on or not do I want to leave this church or stay here and you know yeah 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 and that is where a great performance kind of interprets it for their generation like so when I was showing this to a group of AP students probably a couple years ago and we watched different performances of it. And the one that spoke most to them was Benedict Cumberbatch's speech, To Be or Not to Be, hmm. which is pretty great. But he like brings a lot of angst and insecurity to it that like Laurence Olivier didn't necessarily bring to it. He was more just very dramatic with it. You to know? be or not to be. Yeah. yeah, but then Benedict Cumberbatch gets up there and he's very, you know, quiet and introspective. To, and to be or not to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it actually is really good. He breaks down and you can kind of see the Hamlet processing this whole reality of what we all deal with, you know, the reality yeah. of death. Even King David struggled with the reality like of death. So it's just something that we all face. It's, it's an ugly reality to life. And it is And Hamlet in that one speech captures that uh, mystery and fear and terror of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that. And I think the fact that he's, been granted this knowledge that's maybe correct and maybe incorrect and he can act on it or not act on it like it's as simple as that and everybody has something in their life that they can they can connect that to one way yeah. or, or another and how many times we make a mess of our lives simply because we assume things instead of confronting and talking about things right so i i shouldn't say this but a ghost actually told me to start this podcast and yeah, and here we are. Yeah, here we are. Look what happened. That's the mysterious phantom. <laughs> yeah, that's He's been a ghost phantom. this whole time. <laughs> He's been a ghost the whole time. Oh, there's yeah. Ghost Brandon, too. Let's not forget about Ghost Brandon. Yeah, let's not forget about that. Yeah, well, you made me think of the David Tennant version where he, for better or worse, just where it plays it as a black T-shirt emo kind of really angsty, just to be or not to be kind of. I actually don't remember how he handles that specific scene, but that performance is certainly that way. But we're going to talk more about that in upcoming episodes. For now, what I think we need to talk about is our lovely Patreon patrons. Wow, already? Yeah. Right. <coughs> how time flies. Time flieth when thou art having fun. That's what I always say. To have time or not to have time. That is the conundrum of podcasting. That is the conundrum of podcasting. Well, our patrons, as I was saying, what they do is they go to patreon.com forward slash the booking. They sign up for as little as a cup of coffee a month or the equivalent price thereof. And they support this podcast. They're wonderful people. And if they buy in at a certain level, it's $10 a month. I'd be lying if I didn't say that. It's $10 a month. Well, we shout them out in a little segment we call D -d 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 Donor Shoutouts. Donor Shoutouts. <laughs> All right. I'm pulling out my air horn impression today a lot, folks. And what can I say? But you're welcome. All right. What kind of a gimmick shall we have today, Jake? You got some fun gimmick idea? Old gimmick? We could Jake. do whether or not this... Uh person deserves to be or not to be hey Ooh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hope they all deserve to be but maybe we'll no. select one or two <laughs> are we going to go any other back questions? and forth deciding this 
No, 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 we can't do that. Jake will we, just decide. We could say whether they will fartles bear. Like, do we think this person's a person who would bear fartles? <coughs> no, that's not good. That's not good. What are the other big questions from Hamlet? We can ask whether they New York. We can ask whether or not they belong in a nunnery. Oh, that's true. Or whether they're nobler in the mind. <laughs> <laughs> would we take them or the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, we'll ask whether they belong in a nunnery. I think that when we can tell them to get them to a nunnery, if so. What about Robert and Rhonda the lovebirds? Do you guys think they belong in a nunnery? No. Yeah. The artful Anthony Dodger just got married. Get thee to a nunnery. No, he got married. Did he really? Get yeah. thee to a nunnery. Get thee to a honeymoon suite. Congratulations, Congratulations artful Anthony Art- Dodgers. Art- well done. St- stay thee away from a nunnery. You don't want to be flirting with those nuns you got a wife all right uh little anthony cigar store should little anthony cigar store go to a nunnery (laughs) you don't think he'd i mean cigars in a nunnery catholics and smoke it's one of the good things about being a catholic is you can smoke if you'd consider that to be a good thing no no okay we're still saying no all right sorry little anthony's keep your business among the protestants Yeah, he, he wouldn't do well, probably. Uh, the immortal Chelsea E., should she go to a nunnery? No. Yeah, definitely not. No. Definitely not. What about Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley? Should they go get to a nunnery? Get to a nunnery. Yeah. Get the... Get. Get, get in that nunnery. Get in, get in that nunnery. <laughs> <laughs> Lily of the Valerie. <laughs> Lily of the Valerie. That's what I'm calling her today. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> nah, she doesn't want to go to a nunnery. She's got her whole life ahead of her. What about Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds? Nope. Nah. Nah, I just saw them. They're, they're, they're pretty cool people. I like old Andrew and Esther. The Keith Master. Get the to a nunnery. Yeah, Keith Master. Get into that nunnery, sir. What about David's Mighty Men Trucking? Get the to a nunnery. Yeah. Get the John, to it. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. No. Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese and also C.S. Lewis until including Till We Have Faces. Get thee to a nunnery. Yeah, take your Till We Have Faces to the nunnery. Where That's right. Where it belongs. Yeah. other heathen stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe get thee to a temple of pain. Blood and sacrifice. <laughs> Blood and sacrifice, yeah. What about uh, Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness Mother Beth? No. No. Get thee to Evansville? Let's see. Consul Prime Adam? Get thee to a nunnery. Get thee to a monastery. Yeah, that's fair. He doesn't want to hang out with a bunch of nuns. I mean, maybe he does, but that's not good. He can marry one. Yeah. He could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just not the one from... Never mind. From the Conjuring universe? (laughs) I was was going to say Monty Python. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah, no. If you're going to marry a nun, marry the nun from Sound of Music. Do not marry the nuns from Monty Python, nor marry the nuns from the the Conjuring verse. Those are some bad nuns. You'll have none of those. Yeah. Uh We'll have none of that. What about Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice? What do you guys think about them as nunnery-wise? What have they to do with nunneries? Nunneries. You think Ken Nunn calls his law office the nunnery? <laughs> Almost. I would if I worked there. Yeah. 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 If, and if I needed my employees to come in for overtime or something, I'd call them up and say, get thee to the nunnery. He's not cool enough for that. Ken Nunn, by the way, folks, we should explain, <laughs> is a the local ambulance changer, chaser chasing, in uh, 
Bloomington, Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah, he's like the local billboard tech we, that, we all, <laughs> that we we all, to some extent, grew up with. DJ Sammy G, did we say whether he should go to a nunnery? <laughs> Probably should. Probably. Yeah. Sorry, DJ Sammy G. Benny and Dana Tiberius. No. Nah. Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks? Yes. Get thee to a nunnery. Yeah. What about Professor and Lady X? Yes. Uh, yeah, why not? I think maybe the professor, but Lady X doesn't need to go to a nunnery. Catholics are friendly to professors. Sure. Yeah. The famous duo, Catholics and professors. They're right up there with Doritos and... Cheetos. Dor- no, Doritos and Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. yeah. It's going to take uh, a minute to get through these. What, what about Noah Constrictor? Get thee to a nunnery. Merit Cheap? Get thee to a nunnery. The fair and fragrant maiden Chloe. Get thee to a nunnery. You know she's fair and fragrant. Don't don't give it to the nunnery. The nunneries are neither fair nor fragrant. They need they, they need, need more some f- beauty and fragrance. That's fair and fragrant. Anthony, who is cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Sounds like he should go to a Get nunnery. Get to a nunnery. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Anthony, that you've had to bear our wrath and your, your uh, donor shout-out name. What about Jiu-Jitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger? No, he might hurt somebody. Yeah. Mm, very Get, good point. Get thee to a sparring <laughs> range. Wiser words were never spoken. <laughs> no, they were not. Midnight Ninja Ellen. No, same reason. No, yeah. Return of the Jediah? I think he came from a nunnery. Yeah. Get thee to a Jed... What do, they, what do the Jedis call their nunneries? Oh, what's that? Temples? Temples? Get thee temple. to the Jedi Temple? Get thee to the Jedi Temple. Get thee to, to Luke Skywalker's Green Milk Island? Get thee <laughs> to the Jedi Academy. Yeah, get thee to an academy. Just what about get... Timothy, the writer of Dawn? Hmm. No. No, and Jay of Rack and Ruin, did I say him? No. What about the classically named Eric and Kate the Camp Champ Kings who are warm and love bees? Get thee to a nunnery! Ouch. Did not expect that. Maddie, Maddie, Matt Man? Maddie, Maddie, Matt Man. Nunnery. nunnery. Yeah. Get thee to a nunnery. Straight there, buddy. Yeah. Do not not pass. Go. Go. Do not collect $200. Don't you dare look to either side. You just look straight ahead and you get right there. Right now, young man. What if the nunnery is to the side? How will he see it? Uh, he'll just have to keep passing by to, until there's one right in front straight. of him. <laughs> he just has to keep driving until there's a nunnery ahead of him, and then yeah. he has to hit the gas and burst <laughs> through the wall. Where are we? I lost my place. Should we just start over? No. Right. We were past R- the Matt Robert man. and Roth. Matt Schiff. Oh, my goodness. Matty, Matty, Matt, man. Matt Schiff did his place in the list. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. No. No, there's no sunshine in nunneries. And certainly Ain't no, no sweet- sunshine in your nunnery. Young. Tyler, the keeper of eternal darkness, and Laura, the keeper of eternal light. Get thee to a nunnery. Yeah. Get these to the nunnery. <laughs> Get these to the nunnery. Uh, Cold Steel Cody. Get thee to a nunnery. Mm, okay. Jacqueline, so. librarian, barbarian. No. John Bombadillo, Bomb Diggado, and Cat. Bomb Diggado. Yeah, sure. Today it's John Bombadillo, Bomb Diggado, and Captain Daniel, his mate. No. No nunnery for that. Stay away. They got a lot of kids. Stay far away. Saxophone Alex. Get thee to a nunnery. The other saxophone Alex and Dubstep Danny. Get thee to a nunnery. Get to it. We need to mention 
Jake's theory that Hamlet is in fact a decrepit old witch. Give me to a nunnery. I'm waving my little wand over here. What? Yep. <laughs> All right. I lost my place again, but let me find it. I'm sure it's around here somewhere. Did I say the other saxophone, Alex, and dubstep Danny? Yes. All right. And dude, should they go to a nunnery or no? Uh, Yes. Yeah, they should. Uh, I'm saying nunnery on that one, but we can disagree. Ryan, the terror of Texas, and Eric of the Cream and Crimson, who no longer are stuck in the cold, please send cheese, though. Yep. Send cheese to the nunnery. Ben Solo and Kyla ran. Yep. John, the cosmic king of chaos. Matthew, the Mind Flayer. Yep. Any, are you okay? Yep. Get your gun. Flight of the Valerie. Yes. Definitely. Thor, Ragna, Josh. Nope. Steven, dot, dot, dot. Nope. Piglodon? Nope. Christopher, the Flower Hulk? Yes. Hmm. Lady of the Crystal Lake? Yes. Yep. Ian, the Dathomirian Lord of Death? Yes. A man in the possession of an Emily is in want of nothing. No. Emily say the hunter of dreams. Yes. What about all about the Benjamin? You think he should go to a nunnery? Yes. What about Mysterious Phantom? Yes. What about Jeremy, the dark-hooded lord of death? No. What about Jeremy, the dark-hooded lord of death's brooding bride? Maya! Yes. You think they want a pregnant chick at their nunnery? Because I hear she's in, the, go. she's in the family way, if I'm not mistaken. I think I think we can say that on the podcast. Oh, you can, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can. <laughs> you can, for sure. <laughs> I can. Brandon has to, he's not allowed to talk about it, but I can. Got a bun in the oven. Yeah, okay. Well, so but she should still go to a nunnery. We agree. Yeah. We all agree. All right. All right, <laughs> folks. Thanks for listening to the booking. Yay. Yay. Come back next week. Yay. Oh, I'm recording. And Lavender's Green Dylan Dylan. Let's not forget about him. Lavender's Blue. Never would forget. Hey, Lavender's Green Dylan Dylan. Is it green in that nunnery, guys? It sure is. And he belongs. She, whoever, belongs there. Dylan's a dude. (laughs) Is that right? Lavender is not someone named Lavender. Is his first name Bob? I don't know that. Oh, Bob Dylan? That's the joke, yeah. Yeah, my brain just caught up with it. We'll send him boots of Spanish leather inside the nunnery. Will they let him wear boots of Spanish leather in the nunnery? Yeah. Vow of poverty. I don't know. Spanish leather. Maybe he'll get blood on the tracks of the nunnery. Mm. The nunnery have tracks. I mean, if they have trains that go into them, I guess. <laughs> Get on the nun train. The nun train. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> One of us doesn't know Bob Dylan. The man. I don't know what you do. I'm leaving. Okay, goodbye, folks. <laughs> Bye.